Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, October 7th. I'm Charlie Fink with, with Ted Shilwitz. It's This Week in XR. Our guest today, uh, Drew Perkins, the CEO and one of the co-founders of Mojo Vision, uh, the augmented reality contact lenses, and apparently he himself have, has been wearing them. Yeah. So it'll be great to hear about his experience. Unfortunately, we can't get the visual, but uh, we, we've talked about them before. So uh, Drew's a great guy. I look forward to the conversation. And Charlie, um, I've, I've heard that we've been doing this for a while now. Jesus, man. It's the show 125. 125. That that's impressive for a couple of old guys like that. <laughs> and uh, stick with it that long. I'll be remiss if I don't mention the sponsors who make it all possible. Uh, right now, our uh, title sponsor is Zapper, uh, and last year we had Verbella, and both were really just doing it not because we have a huge audience, although it's growing. Uh, they did it to support our work, the best right. reason possible. Uh, and you know, Ted and I are not in this for the money. Yeah. So I and do, thank I you, listeners. I do, by the way, run into people more and more, you know, in our various travels now that we're kind of emerging from the pandemic cocoon and going back to shows and doing events and stuff. And people are like, hey, I'm listening to your podcast. I really enjoy it. It's a great way for me to pick up on like, you know, the, the weekly events going on in our sector and. And I'm like, wow. It's so funny. I'm so busy. It's a surprise to me, but yeah. I think it's great. I'm yeah. so busy reading the news every day. And people say to me, oh, what a great digest. Such a good right. idea. Right. Like, well, first of all, I've been writing a digest like this in Forbes for Ever. six yeah. years. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, but listen, we're happy to have everybody. And uh, it's great to know that they're out there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, because we're like radio without ratings. Mm -hmm. uh, we see the number of downloads, though. So. Uh, it's nice. We're we're headed toward about a thousand. So, yeah, cool. I mean, for a niche tech podcast, it ain't bad. Okay. It ain't bad. Absolutely. So let's get to the news this week, so we can um, have our conversation with. We make good on what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, of course, the headlining news this week. Before we get to the usual uh, roll call of meta announcements, mm. uh, of course, was twelve million dollars coming largely from Google Ventures to SideQuest. The other app store. Right. At the same time that Google Ventures is shuttering Stadia, right? So right. that's kind of an interesting. So interesting. I don't think that Google Ventures, honestly, has that much to do with Google strategy. It sort of you know, operates like a venture capital company that has a first look deal with Google or something right. that is the equivalent, therefore. So I don't know closing Stadia for Stadia was their cloud gaming play. And I still think cloud gaming is the future. Yes, I think they probably assessed that it was going to be really expensive to get to that future. And they would be better off following rather than leading. Uh, Microsoft has a huge cloud business, although so does Google. Mm -hmm. um, but it was going to be expensive. Either right. way. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty telling sign of the times right now that many tech companies, including, you know, our friends at Meta, are doing a pullback and they're, you know, well, they were many of them doing too much and they were spending a lot of the advertising dollars that 
that you know were filling up their pockets. But once the advertising dollars stop, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And while they haven't completely stopped, I think most uh, brands and most agencies have signaled that the coming year will not be the last, will not be like the last. So, but SideQuest, getting back to SideQuest, um, it, it was found by, founded by a couple uh, in uh, 2019, sort of out of love. Yeah. They found another person who did things because they were passionate. Palmer Somewhere Lucky. in Europe, right? It's in They're in Belfast. Belfast, right. And uh, they found Palmer Lucky, who gave them an initial boost. Uh, good on Palmer. Uh, he's a generous guy from time to time. Mm -hmm. And I believe, uh, I could be wrong, that, that Meta put a little money in too. Uh, yeah, I think or, it's or good good for Meta to encourage competition, just like it was good for Microsoft in the 90s to make sure that Apple didn't go out of business. Correct. Certainly at least provided a support layer and said, yes, we believe this is a good idea and people should be able to sideload things and do, do devices. Yeah, I mean, I think that devices. as we talk about an open metaverse, and again, the metaverse being stipulated that it is uh, browser-based and device agnostic. Mm -hmm. But some of those spaces obviously will be best experienced using a VR headset. Correct. And so uh, until that time, uh, you know, headsets need to hopefully be agnostic and can download software provided it's com compatible from anywhere, right. not just the Oculus store. So uh, when you think about the Pico headset coming, Sony, uh, you know, also in the news this week, Sony... Uh, is predicting 3 million headset sales mm -hmm. in Q1 after they release the uh, VR 2, yeah. uh, and which is compatible with PlayStation 5, mm -hmm. which, would mean, which would mean the VR 2 has much faster adoption and is much more popular. Than and VR. you know, my, my continued belief, which I've talked about many times on this show, is they will have to have some sort of wireless option, whether, whether it's third party or not, um, yeah. to allow the, the PS to, to sort of stand at the current state of technology of what people want. Is but it still, it still acts like a PC, yes. right? And you have to take it with you if you're going to play. And you're yeah, you're going to need your PS5 near the device, but yeah, tethered exactly. to it, I still I, I agree with that. I, but, you know, they have that for HTC and other wired devices today. So it's just expensive. Right. And, and it's a little, at least the few times I've used it, cranky. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> not quite ready for prime time. It is, you know, Sony is pretty good at this. So you would think if they made it, it would work really well. Yeah, look, maybe they know more than me. Maybe they know that that they know that there is a fine and robust market for someone that will plug in with a wire to their device sitting next to their television, and and that's completely fine. Yeah. I just, my point, my point being though, there's a market there for SideQuest as well. SideQuest could very well be the steam. Of, right, of the whole PR industry, yes, and that's that's a big opportunity. I think the investors have uh, seen something here uh, that the rest of us have not really been considering yet. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, Meta Connect. Yeah, coming soon yeah. to a to a VR headset near you. <laughs> you can watch it on Horizon Worlds with other people present, or you can do what I did last year and just uh, get it on Facebook Live. Right. Uh, it. Um, Obviously, last year was a very, very dramatic keynote in which uh, Mark Zuckerberg starred in this Hollywood movie yeah. uh, about the metaverse yeah. and at the conclusion changed the name of the company. Yeah. Became yeah. the father of many people's jokes about this. Yes, but he. it also, let me just say, it was the name that launched a thousand ships. Mm -hmm. That's true. 
I mean, although the metaverse has a consensus definition of sort of 3D virtual worlds, uh, connected virtual worlds uh, that are browser-based and sort of it's it's really just the internet becoming more like a video game. And, you know, and for the generation that's spent a lot of time in front of screens, navigating them as a video game. So I don't know, it's necessarily for us and we don't know, as we say in venture capital, whether the dogs will eat the dog food, mm. uh, but it set the world on fire. Right, well, and this year we'll see Certainly, they're going to launch a new headset, but yeah. more importantly, probably even than that, we'll see, you know, is their commitment wavering at all, or are they still all in on this? Right. Uh, they promised to, the to spend so much money, but that was when they were making $50 billion a year in profit. Right. So now we've got to see what happens, right? And how they how they navigate these waters. But it's in the case of this company, it's not a they, it's one person. It is, it is more of an I than a they. That is true. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, kind of super interesting. I don't think anybody has written that book, but I don't know if I have the nerve to do it. But who he is and the billionaire cocoon he lives in informs a lot of what's happening both inside of that company. And, and obviously that includes uh, Meta. Uh, as you said, I think the big news in the conference uh, or in the uh, MetaConnect is going to be the introduction of what has been called the Cambria and will probably be called the uh, Quest Pro. Quest Pro or Quest 2, because there's also now rumors of a uh, even lower cost, uh, let's say, yep. regular Quest <laughs> will be coming to even bring that threshold uh, of adoption uh, even greater. So we'll see. Well, I think there'll be, you know, high demand among um, enterprise and um, prosumer users, it's mm -hmm. probably going to be more than a thousand dollars. You know, it's it's aimed at a less price sensitive crowd where they have an opportunity to actually make money. Uh, launching the cheaper device is interesting because again, you and I have had this discussion about how price sensitive people are about VR headsets. And if you want a VR headset, you know, how is four hundred dollars? A price point you can't reach, but two hundred dollars a price you can reach. So right. I'm not that convinced that that dropping the price two thousand dollars or raising it a hundred dollars, as they recently did, is going to make that big of a difference right now. Yeah, it's I, like I, Android I, phones. Once you get to that scale, you know, then of course, you know, there should be a less expensive uh, alternative. Right. I tend to agree with that. And I, I actually think that there is a very robust market for a much more feature robust device uh, with uh, better resolution, better sensors. Right. Better well, once you're better. going to like twelve or fourteen hundred dollars, now you can go to two twenty three. Doesn't really matter. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If somebody wants something that expensive, they have a very specific idea why. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're doing this to siphon off sales from the Quest 2. I think they're doing it to reach that audience that's using HTC and other, you know, the, you know, Vive Focus. I mean, these are successful devices and enterprises provided you can get three or $4,000 per device. And do you, do you think a company like Meta actually does research on this and, and does market analysis? Or do you think they just gut check it and kind of like, you know, what Mark says goes and they want to build it and they go build it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, know. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're flooded with consultants and McKinsey people. So maybe they, maybe they do some research. So, I mean, isn't that what those people do? Supposedly. Yeah. 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 So I, I would think they have some good sense of the audience that they're trying to reach. Right. 
Um, but I do see these ads on television and kind of shake my head. And if some of them are, you know, they must have spent two, three, four million dollars on their serious uh, filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I wonder, I mean, first of all, hey, thanks. I'm sure, you know, Pico is thanking you every time they see one of those commercials for informing the world about VR. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know, do they, I mean, typically, right, you launch a package of ads like that, you know, and you, you, you know, blanket the world. I mean, we're going to see them on the World Series. We're going to see them on football every weekend. So, you know, they've decided that those people, there are enough likely quest buyers among those people that it's worth it. But I go, wow, what is their cost of acquisition? Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody talks about subsidizing the headset, but we're talking about a cost per acquisition of probably another hundred dollars. Right, 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 right. So, uh, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if they pull back on that as they start counting pennies. Go, go back to the bus ads, right? Now that people are back on buses and subways. Yeah, buses. I just think that this is a very, very expensive approach to something that probably will take longer than anyone thinks. That said, I think we're getting to the crook of the hockey stick where it's going to start to, you know, double. Yeah. Uh, you know, instead of adding, you know, four, six, four, six, seven million people. Right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, at some point, it does really become more about the content than the device, right? It's who has the most compelling content. And I think that is the bet that Sony is making is that they will put their money into, you know, like they did with PS games to, to be the, the leader in that in that sector into the real dollars and cents of making the best possible content. Um, to lock those customers in. I so think it'll be really interesting to see MetaQuest has scale and portability mm -hmm. and Sony is going to have photo real gaming. Right. And I, I don't know what to say about photo real, right? I mean, what's going to happen when we don't know what's real? Yeah. Plus you <laughs> I mean, I that gone, could be the gates of hell. We have no idea. Very possible, right. And you and I have gone over and over <laughs> this, that, that the physics and the gameplay matters way, way more than photo real. You know, oh, that. well, and again, let's remember these first adopters are largely gamers, right? right? There aren't a lot, lot of casual, the 50 billion people who got added to the smartphone gaming yeah. are not interested right not now. In the <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, we'll see, but, you know, uh, lots of, I mean, MetaConnect, if you're listening to this podcast, probably you can't miss it. The good news is it's going to be recorded and instantly available. So yeah. if 10 doesn't work for you, 11 will. Yeah, you'll watch it whatever that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but always, oh, it'd be great to have another headset on the market. Yeah. It's also so, interesting, by the way, that they've fully committed to keeping it meta, right? That now that people can go back to conferences, because this used to be an in-person thing for us. We, this Every year we'd go, we'd see all our friends, we'd talk about the industry at large. And they're not doing it in real life. They're sticking with their guns on real life for them is you'll watch it in a VR headset. By the way, I do hope that they figure out what they did wrong when they did the Super Bowl Foo Fighters concert and no one could get into the headset, uh, that they've actually put some cycles into engineering and making sure that however many people sign up for it in their quests, they'll actually be able to get in, you know, in one shop and not have to wait for hours to see it. So we'll see. Uh, one, we'll one, see. Speaking of friction, um, our friend Alex Heath just dropped a really interesting story in The Verge, uh, a leaked memo from Bishal Shah mm -hmm. to the people working on Meta Horizon. And supposedly they're going to spend the next few months before Christmas trying to fix all the bugs in it, yeah, particularly the bugs on the builder side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
the other weird thing that's happening is, well, not weird. I predicted it. Horizon Workrooms is amazing, um, but it's still in beta yeah. and it's still really hard to use. Really hard to get into. And very few people are using it because that threshold is so too, hard. Too to much use. friction. Yeah. The benefits are amazing, but uh, it's too much friction. And they're just so, you know, they're great at putting out news about how popular it is. But I think a memo to <laughs> from the general manager saying, can we please stop introducing new features and start fixing the bugs? Because uh, the more they make it like a real game engine and and try and raise the graphics and get better creators, the more important it's going to be to have something that really works. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, you know, you you have hundreds of people working on a level of a AAA game using a game engine. It, you know, this is a tremendous investment every single day. So it can't not work. And, and, you know, that's why everybody, you know, there are other game engines, but it is so hard, so hard to break in because of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've got Drew. Let's bring him in. Okay, okay great. Drew, welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. In my introduction of you, I said you were actually wearing the contact lenses that you made. Not at the moment, uh, <laughs> but I have been wearing them. Yeah, so, so uh, first, tell us a little bit about what Mojo Vision does for those who aren't familiar with your very famous company. And then let's talk about your product and, and what it's been like to actually start testing it on humans. All right. Well, Mojo is all about letting us see better in the real world and see into the augmented world as well, see into the metaverse as well as to the universe. And uh, so it's a AR contact lens that much like a regular contact lens you put in a cleaning case, it just happens to be also a charger. That's right. Kind of like so an is it the battery? Isn't putting a battery on your eye kind of scary? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're very safe batteries. They're medically medical grade batteries that are put in pacemakers and things like that. Uh, people implant them and this thing, you know, it's on the surface. So, easily so is it like a regular contact lens putting it in or does it feel a little thicker? Uh, it is like a regular scleral lens, put it in, which is not exactly a contact lens. They're a little bit, they're, most people think of them as a form of contact lens. They're not, but it's a technical differentiation. Um, and it is uh, a bit thicker right now, uh, but that's not really the important thing when it comes to comfort. But it, the important thing for comfort is how it fits. And these things are fit precisely to match your eye and only your eye, because every eye is different. Well, we've seen it a couple of times, Ted and I. We, um, I think both of us got a look at it when you were visiting Los Angeles last year, and then again at AWE uh, in Santa Clara. So they do look like regular contacts. They're they're the miniaturization, I guess, which was one of the big uh, challenges, has resulted in a very small form factor. Yes, and you can see very well through them. You, scleral lenses give you the best vision, much better than normal contact lenses. Okay, so what are the applications? What are you actually seeing, and you know what are the benefits? Our goal is to let you see information anywhere. You know, notifications messages, what's going on in your own human body, like your heart rate, your speed, turn-by-turn -turn navigation, these sorts of things, simple bits of information that you need all day long. Actually, as I recall, you have a pilot deal with Nike, right? Um, we have a, um, 
deal with uh, <laughs> um, a, a running app uh, company. <laughs> and it's Adidas, actually. It's not Nike. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Adidas. Uh, so, and you've been testing them on athletes? Uh, we have not tested on anyone but me and some of my colleagues so far. And so are you waiting for uh, approval to try them on other subjects or are you uh, going to do more development? Uh, we're doing more development. We have the, all the approvals necessary to test them on uh, people. And we are doing that in limited, uh, limited clinical trials, but um, we're not yet ready to start doing it broadly. And, and so far we've doing it, been doing it primarily with people in the company. So what's your timeline for getting it out there? When do you think people, regular consumers will be wearing AR contact lenses? It'll be a few years. Uh, we're not uh, saying the exact timeline uh, because frankly, we're not the only people that uh, have a say in that. The FDA is going to have some say yeah. in that. But you've and, been at uh, it for more than five years at this point. I actually started the company over seven years ago now. That's amazing. So it'll be at least a 10-year journey from concept to product. It will be, yes. So it's a life mission. Great. You guys have, have uh, raised an incredible amount of money, which is uh, a testament to uh, how potentially powerful this invention is and also how much new science went into it. Absolutely. It's a it's an invention that will impact and change the world. It'll improve mankind and society. And we think its impact is going to be as big as just about any other invention you can name ever in history. So it's possible, right, that, that we'll be able to actually leapfrog um, regular AR glasses uh, in favor of something that is, I guess, wetware. Uh, I'm not sure if leapfrog is entirely the right word because um, many people are never going to wear a contact lens, uh, a mojo lens, no matter how powerful it is. Uh, you know, we think maybe a third of people will choose um, contact lenses versus glasses. I mean, a, a third of the, the people is like, <laughs> it's like 2 billion people. It is a lot of people. We think the opportunity is absolutely massive. So it really will change the planet. So what are the other applications? Is anything that's on your smartphone, basically? At the end of the day, um, it's anything that's on any computer anywhere, whether it's your watch, your smartphone. Your... So people can look at spreadsheets. They can do teleprompter. Uh, they can uh, dictate messages. Uh, basically, most of the stuff you do on your smartphone. Absolutely. Now it's going to take, you know, a number of generations for it to become, you know, to get to a point where it can right. But we're not talking about forever at but, this point. It might be three years or it might be five years, but, you know, at least I, I think we're a couple of gray hairs. That isn't that long. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so in the context of its development, well, I, you know, what I love about this is that it is such a potential curveball, right? Everybody could be working on glasses that um, nobody necessarily wants or that you only wear for a very specific purpose, like welding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or maybe a, a concert is augmented and it's a location-based thing. So yes. they know to put their glasses on or to bring their glasses. Yeah. Um, but uh, of course, they might just already be wearing their Mojo glasses or their mo Mojo lenses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How many scientists are working on this? Are you still growing? Um, yeah, we've got 
probably about a hundred people that are scientists and engineers. Um, got over 120 people, but uh, you know some of those are are in finance and in uh, right. HR and and whatever else. So IT, um, et cetera. Yeah, that's great. Are there any other companies doing this, or are you guys sort of out there on the cutting edge by yourselves? We believe we are the only ones. Uh, you know, it's possible that there's some skunk works somewhere in some big company that we're not aware of, but uh, we think we're pretty much on top of it. So do you think you would be the actual manufacturer at, or at the, or at that point you would look to a, you know, big company that's already doing something like this? We have a number of manufacturing partnerships under development. Mm -hmm. uh, Mojo Lens um, has a number of components within it just like your phone or your computer, there's lots of technology that goes into it. And we've got manufacturing partners for all of those. And then the lens itself, we've got um, a, a partnership that's been under development and others are possible. It's so tiny. Do you have to invent the machine that makes it? Uh, absolutely. The entire uh, manufacturing line, um, every step it, it needs to be uh, done by robots, basically. We've had to invent all those robots that can build it. Uh, of course, there's been lens technology like LASIK and, you know, special lenses where they uh, insert them. Uh, but of course, nothing like this that, you know, <laughs> has to be charged and connect, connected to uh, or paired with a smartphone. That's It is kind of science fiction when you think about it. It, it was science fiction until we turned it into science fact. But um, <laughs> all other... All other devices for your eye are stupid, dumb pieces of plastic, basically. They may have very uh, advanced optical properties, but they're purely passive optical devices and there's nothing with intelligence uh, in there. So whether it's intraocular lens from people that have had cataracts, whether it's contact lenses, whether it's glasses, uh, nothing else has any kind of intelligence. Do you, do you think you'll have to overcome sort of a fear factor even among contact lens wearers or do you think people are just ready to totally accept this idea? You know, I think any new technology, you've got, you know, pioneers and early adopters and, and you know, late adopters, et cetera. And uh, those late adopters are going to remain late adopters for this as well as any other technology. But I think once people start seeing the benefits and uh, seeing, you know, how much other people that are the pioneers and the early adopters love it and what they're getting out of it, the benefits, yeah, that I makes think sense. The, the market's going to continue to grow up for. Do you think time. it'll ever be combined with um, uh, vision correction? It already is oh. from day one. Oh my God. That is so awesome. There mm -hmm. is, you know, half the people of the world wear glasses. So half the people in the world need vision correction and yeah. more than that in Asia. Uh, closer to 90%. Mm. Uh, myopia in particular is a epidemic across yeah. the planet. So um, we think the market is just about everybody. Well, we're closing in on the hour. I know you have a limited amount of time. Uh, Ted already had a runoff for a meeting, by the way. So uh, any parting shots here about Moto Mojo Vision that you'd like uh, our listeners to know? I, I guess the only thing is that this technology is coming. It's It's not science fiction. It's really possible to make a device that corrects your vision uh, in, in a way that's even better than than today's devices uh, and also let you see into the metaverse into 
augmented reality, see information anywhere and make the world truly dynamic. Yeah. It, it's coming and, and Mojo Vision's wow. bringing it. That is fantastic. I can't wait to see more of this and eventually uh, be one of your guinea pigs. So Drew, <laughs> thanks for your time this morning. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right.